Good morning. Good morning. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for another opportunity, Lord, to, to come together, Lord, another opportunity to grow, Lord, another opportunity, Lord, to learn more about ourselves, Lord, to learn more about what you require of us and what you expect of us, Lord. Another opportunity, Lord, for us to assess ourselves, assess our lives, assess the way that we treat others, uh, assess the way that uh, we show ourselves as an example, Lord, and a time for us to adjust, Lord, anything that is not like you, Lord, anything that you are not happy with, Lord. Lord, it's, 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 a, it's a brave thing, Lord, for us to stop and examine ourselves. And, and Lord, with everything that's going on in the world right now, there is no greater time for self-reflection, for us to, to decide within ourselves, are we part of the problem or are we part of the solution? And we know that you are not a God of problems, but you are a God of solutions. You are a God of progress. You're a God of success. And if we are not living a life that reflects that, Lord, then our will is not matching up with yours, Lord. So I pray that everyone, Lord, who hears the sound of my voice right now, Lord, Lord, that they stop and assess as the pastor is, is speaking to us over the airwaves, that we stop and assess who we are in you, who we are in our homes, who we are on our jobs. And let's be bold enough and brave enough to be honest with ourselves and, and to look at those things and to get rid of the things, Lord, that are not like you and to replace it with the things that are most like you, Lord. Bless us all in our comings out and our goings in, Lord, as we're traveling to and fro and, and getting back to normalcy, Lord. I pray that we don't forget what the world is like and what the world was like just a few months ago, Lord, that we don't relax and that we, that we don't just fall back into our normal routine, but that we all be changed for the better through everything that is going on in the world right now. In Jesus' name I pray and I thank you. Amen. 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 So next week, a week from today, after the church service, which will be simulcast as normal at 10 o'clock, we will have a parking lot fellowship here at the church at 1230. Uh, that will be Sunday, a week from today at 1230. After the church simulcast, we will have a church fellowship uh, in the parking lot. Uh, anybody can come out, bring umbrellas in case it rains, bring umbrellas if the sun is out, it might be hot, uh, bring water to hydrate, and uh, we're just going to hang out for a little bit and fellowship and, and see each other face to face and catch up with one another. And we are still planning on opening up officially on Father's Day. Two services, we'll give you all that information later, but next week, Come out and uh, see your brothers and sisters. Say hello, catch up with one another, all right? 12.30, a week from today, after the fellowship, after the church service at 10 o'clock, all right? Come on out. Amen. Amen. God gave his son They called him Jesus He came to love Heal and forgive He bled and died 
to buy my pardon an empty tomb is there proved my savior lives because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I know he holds the future my life is worth the living just because he lives and then one day I'll cross that old river I'll fight life's final Life's final war with pain And then as death Gives way to victory I'll see the light of glory and I'll know he reigns because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives All fear is gone Because I know Yes, I know I'm the hope of future And my life is worth the living And your life is worth yes, living all lives are worth the living just because he lives he lives God bless amen. you amen amen wonderful that's a blessing. Greeting you with the Holy Word's peace. Peace be multiplied. We want to talk this morning about uh, the, when someone has talked and said something about someone and they just go, oh, and, and the awe oh is that wow. And uh, the moment, a wow moment. There's very few times when we hear someone talk about someone and give them like a big wow moment. And that, that wow moment is, is an unbelievable time. And, and we want to start with the, one of the greatest 
wow moments in the Bible is when, it, when uh, 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 Jesus says, very, very, I say unto you, uh, uh, and he's talking to the people about a man and uh, about a, a man called John the Baptist. Go ahead and read. I mean, this is a wow moment. This is one of the greatest wow moments when, when, when someone says something like Jesus says about John the Baptist. It, I mean, this is one of the greatest wow moments in the Bible. All right? Yes, Matthew eleven eleven from King James. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Oh, man, he's talking about among them that is, that is born of a woman. There's no one greater than John the Baptist. We don't need to read the rest of it. There's no one greater than John the Baptist. Do you all know what kind of wow moment that is? He's saying there's no one greater than John the Baptist. He's talking about greater than Isaiah, Jeremiah, Solomon, Moses, and any of the other great prophets. I mean, this is this, it's in, it's, it's Samson, any of those people. This is incredible. When he looked and told this crowd that of all of the prophets, of all the great people you know, and all the great people you've read about, there's no one greater than John the Baptist. And so when, when, uh, when I read that and I hear something, someone say something great about somebody, then I want to read and, and, and see what they've done to put themselves in a position that Jesus would say that about them. And so I wonder, and many, many times in life, and I've heard this as a pastor many times, when people were passing away, they would have said, I wish I had lived a better life. And they've thought about, they wish they had done better. They wish they had a better life and lived a better life. And so for me, when I take in, you know, I remember I was doing uh, for you all, we were talking about Kobe Bryant uh, a few months ago, and he was at the University of Alabama talking to the football players. And, and uh, I'd done the message a few months, a year ago it might have been. And he said to those football players, he said, you got to edit yourself. And he said, you need to edit yourself. And what that means is you need to take inventory and edit yourself. And so here's what we're talking about. I'm asking all of us to take inventory of ourselves and edit ourselves. Are you living a God-pleasing life? Are you living a God-pleasing life? It doesn't matter. There's some great, God has blessed me, I, and I've got a, awards in college, awards, uh, carrying the Olympic torch, doing a lot of things. But did the character that I ex, uh, exposed, was it a God living? Did God please with that? What does God think of Johnny Fields' life? What does God think of your life? It ain't going to be no group of people. It's going to be an individual. Would God be pleased with your life? This is the question. You have to edit yourself and ask, am I living a God-pleasing life? Now, what that means is, am I living a God-pleasing life as a son of God, daughter of God? And then what goes on, as a husband, as a wife, as a mother, as a father, as a son, as a daughter, as a friend, as a church member, am I living a God-pleasing life? Some, we worry too much about what other people say and think about us. Good or bad, it makes no difference. The, thing, the only thing that really is going to count at the end of the day, did you live a God-pleasing life? 
Well, John the Baptist lived a God-pleasing life because Jesus Christ said there's no greater man than John. And so uh, for me, it's when I hear something about someone uh, that's, that, that's that stand, I mean, that, that's powerful. That is very powerful. So when Jesus said that, I wanted to look and, and, and do a little reading or find something that John the Baptist said or John the Baptist done that I could use kind of a, as a standard for my life so that I could reach the point where I could be uh, one of these men and women and many of you that God will say to us that he was pleased the way we lived our life. You know, when you go to a funeral, especially when you go to a funeral, a lot of that stuff people don't know is it's already written down that we do, oh, my good and faithful servant, job well done, we, just, we say that. No, that's people saying that to make the congregation feel good and the family feel good. The ultimate goal is going to be what did God think about how you lived your life, personally life? How did he care? He doesn't care about our earthly accomplishments. He ain't into that. He's only concerned about our relationship with him and how we were an ambassador for Christ by living the life that Christ would have us to live. So I, I looked at one of my, I'm going to read this. We got, four, I'll do it. we got four different words. One of the things that John the Baptist said that makes a lot of sense that I had to come to, I just had to come and take a good look at this. He says, I must increase, uh, but I'm, excuse me. Yeah, he must increase, but I must decrease. He said, yeah, he's saying he must increase Christ, but I must decrease. And I had to take inventory of my life. And, and I'm going to say it, I'm going to have to make some, I'm going to have to do some decreasing in my life so God can do some increasing in my life. One thing through this virus that many of us have seen, uh, people are coming together more so than they ever came together. And one of the reasons is, and you all know, I'm a sports fanatic, is we have to spend time now talking to each other. Uh, uh, my family, I'm talking my biological family, me and Marco and Isaac and the kids and Gwen, we, uh, we talk more now than we've ever talked before. Uh, Marco and, and I and Gwen talked three hours the other day. We've never talked as much. So it, it let me see that we, can, we should be doing that more often. What is keeping us, what kept us from not spending time together as mother and father and daughter and, and, and grandparents? And what has kept us? Well, what has kept us, we've had all this other stuff going around us. And so now we don't have a choice uh, we have decreased because the TV doesn't have the things on it that we watch. So, so it's caused us to increase. Now, but I'm talking about with God also. God wants, uh, he, he wants to increase in our lives. But he can, sometimes he can't get in our lives and give us more because we haven't uh, uh, decreased enough. All right, you can go ahead and message. Yes, the message states it this way. This is the assigned moment for him to move into the center while I'll slip off to the sidelines. See, something, now this is a time for him to move into the center of my life while I step to the sideline. And so, so see, that's, that is a God-pleasing life. It's when I move out of the way and let God move into the center of my life and me get on the sideline. In other words, not God following me, but me following God. You see, there's been times when I've prayed and asked God to do this, do this, do this. And now I get it. I, now I really get it. I need to 
I need, to, I need to decrease a little bit. And when I decrease, I don't ask God to give me stuff. I'm asking God to give me, show me what he would have me to do. Because I have, when I'm asking God to do things for me and, 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 and my own understanding, then I'm doing that for my benefit, not his benefit. I want to live a God-pleasing life. If I want to live a God-pleasing life, I must decrease. I've got to let him be the center of my life, and I've got to get on the sidelines. Does everybody understand what I'm talking about? It is time for us as individuals. Because let me say, when the end of the day comes, what will God say about you as an individual, how you lived your life? Will God say, I'm pleased with your life? That's the whole thing of being a Christian is living. We are ambassadors of Christ. That means disciples of Christ also. That means we live as Christ would have us live. Christ lives within us. Would God be pleased with your life? Ask yourself that. Ask yourself, am I living a God-pleasing life? NIV? He must become greater. I must become less. See, God must become greater in my life, and I need to become lesser in my life. Now, the power is not in me. The power is in him. The power is in Christ. The power will do this. The power is in the Holy Spirit, the gift that Christ has given us. He, Jesus says, I will give sin the Holy Spirit, and he will come and comfort you. And then he said he will teach you, and he said he will tell you and show you things to come. That's what Jesus said. So that means the power is not in me. The power is in him. So I got to get me out of the way and allow the Holy Spirit to come in and to take control over my life. As a, yes, as a God-man, as a, as, a, as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather, yes, Godfather, uh, and, and as a pastor. It's in that order. This is how it is. Is God pleased with the way we are living our lives? That's the, that's the question. Is he pleased with the way? And that's physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and financially. Is he pleased with how I'm living my life? He wants the whole thing, not half of it. What I say, what I eat, because, you know, John the Baptist was on a great diet. He was on a bit on kind of diet that people take today. He was way back there. He was on a great diet, and he must have had a great communication with God because Jesus says no greater man, no greater man than John the Baptist, no greater man. And that's a crowd of people that Jesus is putting him up above, Brother Trevor. That's a big-time crowd there. I mean, that's the great prophet Isaiah. Are you kidding me? Elijah, Elijah. That I'm, I'm, come on here. Moses, uh, all of these people, he is putting them, uh, John the Baptist above them because of the way he lived his life. He pleased God with the way he lived his life. And the question is for all of us as individuals, that's in every aspect of our life. Are you living a God-pleasing life? Too many people get all upset when people say things about them and, and uh, are, are what they look like, this and that. No, 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 no. That has nothing to do with God. If I'm living a God-pleasing life, if my life is pleasing God, then I'm satisfied. Because the only person we should be trying to please with our life is God. When you live a God-pleasing life, then he'll give you everything else you need to make it through life. All right, because one thing about a church, one thing about it, if you live, a, you're going to die by yourself. So one thing about it is you can close your eyes and know and smile if God whispers in your ear, you pleased me the way you lived your life. That's the ultimate goal of every Christian. Is it the voice now? He, the groom, must take center stage. And, you know, Jesus Christ called himself the groom, and, you know, and we the bride, but he called himself the, the groom. So the groom must take center stage. That means I'm not center stage. That's right. 
He's center stage. You see, when I come up here, when I come up here, I don't want uh, me to be center stage. I'm just a voice of one speaking in the wilderness. I want him to do the speaking, him to do the teaching. I'm just a, ve- a vessel that God is using. So when I get ready to do a message, my prayer is, God, take over, Holy Spirit. I'm just, I- I'm, I'm just the voice. I mean, you the speaker. You the one speaking. You the one educating. You the one teaching, you see. So he must be, he has to take he has, I have to move back and let him take center stage because there are some things that I would say and some things that I might want to respond to that's not like him. And if it's not like him and it doesn't please him, it does me any good. You, see, you understand what I'm saying? Keep going, please. And I, the best man, must step to his side. And I, the best man, must do what? I want God to be here and the best man must step aside. You see? We want the groom to do the talking. That would be the Holy Spirit. That would be God, the Holy Spirit. And sometimes, people, we got to, you need to step aside. Step aside and let God take the center. Now, let's, let's go into our spirit or go into our mind. Let's go into our hearts and our soul. We need to move out of the way and let God be the center of it. God thought, God talk. You see, this, I want to live with God being the center of my life. And for God to be the center of my life, Johnny Fields has to step aside. You see, he has to step aside and say, God, I want my life to be Christ-centered. That is my prayer. I want my life to be Christ-centered. Well, it's a pretty simple thing. It's not a whole lot. Get out of the way. Step out of the way. God is saying, if you step out of the way, I will become the center of your life. And that's what we want to live as Christians. Keep going, please. And from the passion... So it's necessary for him to increase and for me to be diminished. So I need, to, I need God, and that's my prayer. God, increase it in my life. To do that, I must be diminished. I want God to increase in my life every day. Every day in every way, I want God to, to increase in my life. And I must be diminished. And I, would get out, well, yeah, I have to get out of self. You see, you can't be a good God man or God woman and be in self. You can't be a good husband and be a wife to be in self. You can't be a good parent to be in self or, or sons or daughters. You got to get God has to be the one to come in. If we could do it but without him, we would have never had to got saved. We would have never had to been baptized by the Holy Spirit. But because we know that here, and because of this lesson today that we're getting today, and th- this, this is, and we've taken inventory of ourselves, as we take inventory of ourselves, we need to ask, how much space am I giving God? Is God on the sideline, and I'm in the center of my life? Or is God close to the center, but I'm still the center? We're not going to please God or live a God-pleasing life until he becomes the center of our life, and we get on the sideline. Do you understand? All right, that sounds pretty good to me. So the whole ultimate goal for us today is to take inventory of ourselves and edit ourselves and see how much room does he have. Now, one thing about God, he's a jealous God. He doesn't want us to have any other gods before him. He wants the whole thing. He wants the whole thing. And so, so we, he doesn't want one-third, one-fifth. He wants 100% of the soul excuse me, of the sin of our life. And as a person, if you want to live a good life and a healthy life and a pleasing life, and so when you come to the end of your physical life, God will whisper in your ear, I am pleased the way you lived. I am pleased the way you represented me. I'm pleased that you are an ambassador for me. 
You see, I'm pleased that you were a disciple for me. I'm pleased at how you handled yourself as a father. I'm pleased by the way you handled yourself as a mother. I'm pleased how you handled yourself as a husband or a wife. I'm pleased how you handled yourself with your brothers and your sisters. So I'm pleased with how you handled your body, because your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I'm pleased how you handled that. I'm pleased how you handled your finances. That's the ultimate goal, is to live a God-pleasing life. Not a self-pleasing life, and not a people-pleasing life, but a God-pleasing life. You see, God is, the, your, our ideals of how we should live, doesn't, that puts us in the center. We want his ideals of how we should live. Paul was, am I going to Paul now? Paul said something. We got God, now we're going to talk about Paul. See, I've, I've heard John the Baptist say what he said. And then I'll go to what Paul says he says. Because I, I, I don't want to be that old guy. I don't want to be that old guy. I want to be that new guy. John the Baptist has told me what he thought, not what he taught. He didn't say it. Uh, uh, he just said this is what got him here. Now Paul's going to talk to us and give us more information of how to be ambassadors of Christ and live a Christ-centered life. Here we go. King Second, James. Yes, Second Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ. And that's the question. The question is, Paul's telling us, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he says, if you're in Christ. See, so some people ain't in Christ. We ain't talking to them. He's talking, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. We become a new creature. Well, a new creature means we have a new attitude. If you become a new creature, then that meant you was an old creature. You see? And the old creature is not acceptable to God. It is the new creature that's acceptable to God. That new creature is baptized by the Holy Spirit, cleaned up, washed up by the Holy Spirit. All right? Old things, old things are passing away. Old things got to pass away. Old attitudes have to pass away. Old ideals have to pass away. And all things become new. All right? And now from the passion. Well, I didn't do the last part. Yeah, did I do? And all yes. things become new. I did say that. Mm -hmm. All right? If anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creature. And it's, and it's talking about being an entirely new creature. He wants us to, he's talking about being an entirely new creature. Not one, I'm talking 100% new creature. That means there's no, nothing old left behind. You see, there's no anger, no hate, no shame, no blame. I'm a new creature in Christ. You understand? I've saved, got saved and repented of my sins against those that I've hurt, and, and then I've forgiven those that hurt me, so I'm not taking any. See, when you become a new creature in Christ, you can't take old baggage with you. A new creature in Christ has new baggage, huh? not old baggage. So all that stuff has to go. And when you do that, you start feeling good. It just releases all the stress and anxiety that you had in that old man or that old woman. Because that new man and that new woman is born again. They feel better about their life because they're not carrying on that old thing. And things have been done to you. That's not Things may have been done to you. You may have been done to things to other people. But the ideal is we don't live there anymore, like that anymore, because we become that new creature in Christ. And you cannot represent Christ until you become a new creature in Christ. So we represent Christ. We can never forget that. Remember that. You, you want to live a God-pleasing life because one thing about it, I keep saying, you're going to die by yourself. 
You got, again, it's going to be God that's going to take inventory of your life. Not your friends, not your, the congregation, not your family, not your associates. Not, that, that's not going to help you any at all when you face God. It is going to be him that is going to tell us what kind of life we've lived. Was it pleasing or was it not pleasing to him? All right? All that is related to the old order has vanished. Said all that is, is, is vanished. All that stuff is gone. It has vanished, people. It's gone. It's vanished. Quit looking back there trying to bring up stuff that's gone. You can't be a born-again Christian and live an old life. If you're not living an old life, all that stuff, that happened, good or bad, that you have done when you became a new creature in Christ, that stuff doesn't matter anymore. It's how you are living now that you've received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you can't make excuses. It's either God, God, God doesn't have any gray areas. There's no gray areas there with God. You either live in a life as God-pleasing or you live in a life that's not God-pleasing. You have to ask yourself that. Edit yourself. What kind of life am I leading as an individual? Am I leading a, a Johnny Fields life or am I leaving a God-pleasing life? Am I living a Johnny Fields-pleasing life or am I living a God-pleasing life? Because the ultimate goal, no matter what I've done on this earth place, the only thing that's going to make God smile is I'm living a God-pleasing life. And my goal for me, and I hope for the rest of you, is we ain't worried about making other people smile. We worried about wanting him to smile. Because if he's smiling, I'm happy. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right, amen to that. Okay. Behold, everything is fresh. And it says, behold, everything is fresh. Everything is fresh. You can't be a new, uh, a, 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 a new Christian, born-again Christian, living a new life and living a dull life or a stale life. He says everything is new and everything is fresh. You, you smell fresh. You feel fresh. You talk fresh. People ought to not recognize you that used to know you because the life you're living now under the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a fresh life. You used to hold your head hanging down. You used to be, oh, I got this problem. I got that problem. No, that's gone. You walk around with a fresh life and a new life. You don't talk the way you used to talk. You don't think the way you used to think. You don't drink what you used to drink. You don't smoke what you used to smoke. You don't eat what you used to eat. You don't look at what you looked at. It is a new life and a fresh life. Nothing's holding you back anymore from God's purpose for you because you 100% doing what you would have to do, what he would have you to do to please him. What a great life that is. What a great life that is. What a great life that is. And so if, if some of you are looking, if you're not saved and get born again, you need to uh, repent and ask, and you, you know the things, call us up, we'll tell you how to do that, and, and say, I want that. I want everything in my life to be new and fresh. I'm tired of that old life. I want a new life. People can't get that to you. I don't care where you live, you can move to another neighborhood. You will not get it. It doesn't matter how big your bank account is, you will not get it. That fresh life and that new life only comes through Christ, period. All right? And so that's what we want. We want this fresh life, this new life, and that comes through Jesus Christ. And I love that. Therefore, if any man is, is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things pass away, and, be, and behold, all things become new. You are, you don't, you're not dull anymore. It's like having an old car, you see, and, and, and you polish it up, 
and it looks new. That's what God will do. He will take all that old rust and all that stuff up and give you a new, oh, let's do it this way. He'll give you, he'll tell you to dump that old ride and give you a new ride. You see, that old life, that old rusty life, that old stale life. He's going to give you a new life, a life that, that, that's fresh and new. You see, something about it, some of you bought a new car. There's something about when you buy a new car, it's got that new car smell. You see, and if you got an old car, you can get it washed at some of those places, and they can give you some, they'll spray some of that new car smell in it, but it, it'll go away. But that new car, man, it has that new smell. So that new life has a different smell. It has a different taste about it. It has a different demeanor for him or her. Are you with me? All right, I have no idea where I'm at. Uh, Philippians 3 and 8 from okay. the Passion. To truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past. See, to, uh, to truly know God, and this is this morning, what we're going to try, to truly know God, it means I'm letting go of everything in my past. Mm -hmm. Everything. You get, not some things, everything. I'm starting out new, I'm starting out fresh, and I'm letting all that old stuff go. All right. And throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. He says he's throwing all that boasting that he done this and done that. He says on the garbage heap. He's throwing all that stuff away. In one of the versions it says it, it, it's, it's dong. You, you see? And one says it's rubbish. All the things that he done. And Paul could have boasted. Paul had a degrees. You all know that. Paul had, a, he was a, yeah, he had a degrees in, in, we'd call it today, theology, but he had his degrees. He came from a wealthy family, a well family. Some say that he left his family. Well, he left his wealth. He left his family. He left his uh, uh, prestige. Uh, I can't think of the word now. He left all of that, he, that he left all of that. He lost all of that. He said it was nothing. Now, that's something. Uh, if you look at the study of Paul, who he was before he became a Christian, he was a very successful man, a very successful businessman, a very successful, uh, in those days, uh, 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 Pharisees. That means he had like a doctor's degree. He had all of that. Okay. But guess what he says? I'm throwing that all away to please God. See, sometimes we want to hang on to stuff, prestige. He said, no, I'm tossing that. It's all about God now with me. And that's what he says. So, all right. Then he says, it's all like a pile of manure to me now. Now, wait, that's what I was saying. He, now, this is, so he says it's all like a pile of manure to me now. This is what Paul says. Open right. your scriptures. He uses different words, and all of you all know what it means in our language. Mm -hmm. So he's saying that's all it is is a pile of manure now. Right. He said, it don't mean nothing to me. He said, all that is foolishness to me. Said I, all of that, nothing matters to me about that. Okay? So that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. And he says, I moved all that out of the way so that I might be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embraced in him as Lord in all of his greatness. He says he embraced God in all of his greatness. He threw all of that away. He threw all of that away. To embrace God and his goodness or greatness. Man, that's powerful. 
I can't think of who it was. It was one of the presidents. They was asking him, this old, old one, uh, presidents, or it might be an executive. I forgot why I was reading it. And they were talking about what he accomplished. And, and, and he was talking about all the things that he's accomplished. The people were, were really building him up all the things. He said, no, the greatest two things that he accomplished was being saved and marrying his wife. They're not being president, not being successful in business, but in God, taking God as his Savior, Jesus Christ as his Savior, and his wife, and the father of his children. So he said, that was good. All that other stuff you all talking about, he was saying, that has nothing that's meaningless to me. So, but the thing that, that really gave me greatness and to feel joy in my spirit was I took Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, my wife, my children. He said, in other words, he says, I lived a life that was God-pleasing, was more important than my earthly accomplishments. That's what we're trying to do. All right? Now we turn to Colossians 2, verse 8 through 9 from the Passion. <laughs> Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. So he's saying, beware, don't let anybody distract you or intimidate you to try to draw you from Christ with their wisdom. There is only one way, and that way is to Christ. There's only one way to live, and that is a God-pleasing, if, if everybody would live a God-pleasing life, the world would have no issues. You see? That's it, he said, but, but be aware. Don't let anybody distract you, intimidate you, attempt to lead you from Christ. Power and fame sometimes have led men and women from Christ. And when they lead you from Christ, then you lose the wisdom of Christ. You haven't got to argue with endless arguments. We don't argue with people. We Christians. We under the authority and the power of Christ. We ain't got time for that foolishness. We want to live a God-pleasing life. Because one day all of us know there's going to be the end. And when that end comes, the only thing that's going to matter, the only thing that's going to be important to me and to the rest of the Christians is, did I live a God-pleasing life? All right? For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system and not the anointed truths of the anointed one. So he said the, the world system, not the United States, he said the world system, they're all that system, but there's not anointed on the truth. You see, that's why Satan wants to destroy Christianity. He doesn't want people living like Christ. There are, there are countries, they kill you for being a Christian. Put you in jail for being a Christian. They ought to want you to be a Christian. Because Christians do God things. They, they live like Christ. They do Christ things. All right? Here we go. In verse 9, For he is the complete fullness of deity, which is divine quality or nature, a supreme being, living in human form. So he is the, Jesus Christ lived in human form. Jesus Christ could do it. He lived in human form, and he's showing us that we can live in our human and be, we can walk as Christ. You've said many times, excuse me, you've heard me say many times, I walk as Christ, I think as Christ. That's right. You know, 
I talk as Christ, speak as Christ, I live with Christ, the Spirit of Christ is within me. It's pretty easy to do it. People say, how can you do it? Jesus says it. He told us that the same Spirit was in him is the same Spirit is in us. We got to live like Jesus. You see, when we live like Jesus, again, I keep saying, it pleases God. God sent his only begotten son down here. He loved us enough. He's, he's the pattern. He's the role model. How are, we, how are we supposed to live as Christian? He came and lived it in the human. If he came and lived it in the human flesh, he's, look, he's asking us to do the same thing that he's already done. And in the scripture, he says that he, there's no temptation that's come unto man that Jesus Christ didn't overcome. So he's telling us, just because we're in this human flesh, we can't do it. That's a lie. Yes, we can if the Holy Spirit is the center of our life. If the Holy Spirit is our wisdom, if the Holy Spirit is our understanding, we can live the life that pleases God. And that's what we, we're not people pleasers, right? We God pleasers. We're not people pleasers. We, we ain't even self pleasers anymore. We God pleasers because we want to live a God uh, pleasing life. All right, keep going. And our own completeness is now found in him. And see, our own completeness is found in him. If I want to be a complete whole man, it's found in Christ within me. I mean, that's that's powerful. That's powerful, people. Keep going. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. So we are completely what? Filled with God. You see? We are filled with the Holy Ghost. Huh? We are filled with God. Wow. There's where your power comes from. There's where your pleasing God comes from. All right? And lastly, he is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. God is the head of every kingdom and every authority of the universe. I want to please him. Not living to please people. I'm not living to please myself anymore. God has taken the sinner of my life. And as he takes the center of my life, I want to live a God-pleasing life. Because one day this thing's going to come to an end. And I'm going to have to stand before him by myself. And how I live my life here is going to determine what he's going to say. He ain't going to say, you almost done it. You were close. You either didn't Oh, you did. All right. Am I done? So God is good. God is God is good. And we're under his grace and we're under his mercy. And we're excited that we're not that old person anymore. We want to be like John the Baptist. He tells us, you lived a great life. You're going to say, Joe, you're, you're, you're a great man. You lived a great life. You lived a, a, a God-pleasing life. Judy, you lived a God-pleasing life. Marcia, you live the God-pleasing life. This is what we're talking about. Jack, you live the God-pleasing life. He's going to talk to us, and we want to talk to him. And for me as an individual, for me as an individual, what I want him to say to me, that you lived a God-pleasing life. You lived, when I got into your life, meaning the Holy Spirit, you changed your life. You took off that old man. You allowed me to put the new man on with a new attitude, a new direction. You allowed me to come into the center of your life and take over. You stepped aside and gave me full power to take over your life. And I want him to say, Johnny Fields, you lived a, you lived a God-pleasing life. And I'm pleased with how you lived. Amen, Amen to that. We got to remember, got to 
decrease so he can increase. Looking forward to seeing people Saturday. We'll have plenty of space. Wear your mask. If you don't have one, we'll give you one. We love the Lord here. And we thank you. And when we open up um, Father's Day, I didn't know it, folks, but when we open up on Father's Day, it just happens to be my birthday. So it's, it, somebody's going to go out and say, oh, he opened up on his birthday. I didn't know it was my birthday until I looked it up and seen what day Father's Day is. So it's really good. We're going to do it. We'll have a, a first service will be at 9 o'clock. And uh, next service, I think, is 1045. Is that what it is? 1045? And we'll, I think that will give people time. We would like for the, uh, our older congregation to be here at the first service and the families to come at the second service and bring the families will set together for till we figure out how we need to do it in space, kids. We're only in here about an hour and 15 minutes anyway, so we can come together as families at 1045 in the sanctuary. We got it all set out. You'll be at least six feet away from each other. And we'll have masks. Our insurance uh, company told us they would like for all the ushers uh, uh, to wear masks and gloves. That's what they're saying, trying not to get lawsuits. But I understand that. We will have it planned out. You will be safe. All right? Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we heard a message. John the Baptist. Wow. John the Baptist had said, Whoa, what the Lamb of God who's come to take away this the sins of the world. He recognized Christ. When nobody else recognized Christ, John the Baptist recognized Christ. John the Baptist humbled himself as more powerful as he was. He told the people, no, it's not me. There's one coming greater than me, and I'm not worthy to even tie his shoes. So John the Baptist is showing us something. He showed us something how to decrease so that the Holy Christ could increase. And I'm praying this for the people that's in agreement with me in this congregation and friends, we want to be better men and women, husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters, friends. We want to be better. And to do that, we have to, we have to decrease. And we ask that the Holy Spirit come in and increase in our life and take over our life. And we want to step aside and let Jesus Christ be the center of our life so that we can live a God-pleasing life. That's our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And all in agreement said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.